Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the key trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and fibre markets. I'm Olivia Agar and joined today by Mercado's Managing Director, Robert Herman, for a bit of a chat about what's been happening across the four key markets, covering the big stories for the week, which are the Northern Hemisphere cropping conditions and the volatility that's causing in global grain markets a week of unseasonably big supply in livestock and more improvements in the fine wool premium. So we'll get into the conversation in just a minute after a thank you to today's podcast sponsor. Thanks for tuning in to Commodity Conversations. This week is brought to you by ProAdvice. ProAdvice offer tailored services to suit your accounting needs. They have a long history of working with farming families and they understand the day-to-day realities and challenges of farm life. Whether it be strategic and succession planning, improving your communication and decision making, or accounting services and business software solutions, ProAdvice will help your farm run more efficiently. Hop on their website or give them a call to find out more. Thanks for joining me on this Friday afternoon, Rob, for a bit of a wind down and recap on the week in ag markets. We've spent the last few episodes chatting about livestock and wool, but it's the grain market that's just got very interesting very quickly and our winter crop is barely in the ground now. So why don't we start there for this week? What's been happening overseas? Well, I think um, Nick Booth made some really good observations living our um, Mercado's article today that we've just published. And uh, and he was talking about how at, this, at certain times of the year, the grain market really starts to focus on weather and uh, it's still a long way off for harvest, as you pointed out, but it's not so much the weather in Australia that's the focus at the moment. It's the weather in the Northern Hemisphere. And when it's when wheat comes out of its dormancy, um, when the row crops are sown, and again, in August, September, the critical um, pollination periods. And so this all starts to get the grain traders and the speculators in the markets excited. Nick calls it the weather market, but it's something that uh, we would expect the Australian producers would be across because this sort of activity, which can be can throw the markets around, also throws up good opportunities for farmers here in Australia to get some of their hedging done. So, you know, things that are happening in the Northern Hemisphere are driving the markets, they're driving the forward markets, and, and we would think that that's going to pose some real opportunities for what's going on for our, uh, our growers here. So what are some of the key weather movements that have been happening and are driving the market at the moment? Well, we've got uh, – it's, it's a, weather's a great thing. It's either, it's either raining or it's not as far as crops are concerned. Uh, there is one other factor, though, in the, in the US that's playing in, and that's the, the late winter freeze. So it's got very cold again, and a little bit of the, um, of the corn's been planted, but uh, not much. Uh, Nick points out, though, this is unlikely to be too much of a, uh, a hindrance on the crop because, you know, there's still plenty of time to go. The corn needs the temperature to be at uh, a minimum of about uh, 10 degrees Celsius or 50 degrees Fahrenheit, as the US um, croppers would look at. Um, so there's about 8% planted, about on par with expectations, but there'll probably be a bit of a hold up now. Of course, in the um, if you go down to South America, where the, a lot of corn and, and beans are growing, they're very interested in the rain at the moment because their crops are up and going. Some areas are receiving rain, some not receiving rain. So all that plays into keeping the market guessing and speculators love that. 
and uh, and it's rocking the market round. You know, th- since April, we've already seen corn prices up 17% and wheat up 15%. And and that's not because of stocks and uh, and demand or usage have changed so much. It's more about this weather market and the speculation that drives those sort of things live. Yeah, and I think it's not just the row crops that are being affected at the moment, but there's some unusual trade movements happening in canola as well due to dryness in Canada. Have you got any insight into that? Yeah, you've, you've alerted me to a really good point that Nick made, and uh, this would be surprising. We know Canada is a massive producer and exporter of canola, uh, and, and we watch them carefully because what happens there is going to impact on our prices. But just to give you an idea how, how tight uh, the stocks are and how scarce stocks are, this week, there was news released that Canada had bought a cargo of Ukrainian canola for prompt delivery. So here we are, one of the biggest producers of canola, now importing canola in to meet their domestic consumption. So that sort of helps explain a little bit why we've seen these really strong canola prices. And it probably also tells us that we're likely to see these prices stay quite strong for a period to come. That's really good news for our Australian producers because much of the canola is already planted or a lot of it's planted, and it's been planted into really good conditions in a lot of areas. I know there'll be some farmers will say they're not quite as much moisture as they like, but generally speaking, it's gone into good conditions. And if we get, uh, you know, germinating rains now, which is coming through over the top of these very good prices, Viv, it's going to be another good year for uh, great oilseed producers in Australia. And, uh, and of course, that's, uh, that's great news for our farmers. But uh, look, we're, we've been talking about grains and oilseeds here, Liv, and it's all um, international news that drives the market at this time of the year. But you've been looking at the sheep and lamb markets, and uh, it's certainly not international factors that are driving it. It's uh, local conditions, isn't it? Yeah, definitely a supply story at the moment, Rob. So the figures for last week just told us that lambs and sheep poured into the yards last week in the East Coast with total throughput at levels that we've rarely ever seen in April for a given week, which does a lot to explain why the market fell last week. And so to give you a few stats, there was a 66% week-on-week increase in lamb yardings in the east, and that was the standout figure. But it wasn't just a big week-on-week change either. The total lamb yardings for that week were 48% higher than the five-year average that we usually see at that time of the year. And it was all states that were driving those high yardings numbers, but supply was especially strong in Victoria, where throughput was nearly double where it usually is at this time of year, and in Tassie as well, where it was 151% above the five-year average. So, Prices were generally cheaper again this week, and that's likely supply-driven again. We had the Eastern States trade lamb indicator losing $0.12 on the week, and also there were some recent gains that were lost in WA with the trade lamb indicator falling $0.58 there. Merino lambs were the only national indicator that actually improved in this week's market. So the restocker lamb indicator was down, mutton was down, heavy lambs were down. I think uh, it's interesting you say that they were down, but we've got, um, you know, we're coming off just fantastic prices for our lamb producers this year. Yeah, absolutely. Down looking at year-on-year levels, they're lower, but we know at this time last year prices were just at incredible levels. So historically speaking, still very strong market. 
yes, Liv, you mentioned merino lambs, and it probably leads into very well into the wool market at the moment. Um, and talking about lambs and weaners, of course, they're generally the fine end of the clip or the fine end of flocks. Um, but we've, we're just seeing that the wool market again has had another, you know, quite positive week. But the standout feature is the fine wool premiums. And uh, I was interested that um, Andrew Woods this week on Mercado um, produced an article looking at those fine wool premiums or the spreads between uh, fine wool and medium wool. And you remember back that um, in the in the drought time when we had a whole lot of fine wool coming through as a result of hunger fine sheep and producing more fine wool than the market could cope with, we saw those premiums really collapse and, uh, you know, the fine wool wasn't worth much more than medium wool. But what we've seen in the last six months is that the fine wool premium has really come to the fore again. And it was interesting that Andrew makes the note that we're seeing now the 17 micron premium over the 21 micron, which is a good, you know, just a good example to use, I think. It's now at levels that it's got to probably four or five times since 1980. It's, uh, it's at over a thousand cents. So what we're saying there is that the 17 micron wool that's selling in the auction market is worth more than a thousand cents than 21 micron wool. Now it's a great thing for fine wool growers because it gives them a bit of a boost. It also leads the market or, or gives us a lead on the market to show us that, you know, when supply is tight and, and demand is okay, um, markets really do demand our fine wool. And uh, and that's a great thing. We're going to see that stay for a little while now because the conditions on the East Coast, the good pasture conditions, are not going to cause more um, fine wool to be produced than, than would normal. So, in fact, it might be a little bit less given that the good conditions we've had. But the other point that Andrew makes is that these sort of premiums, they stay around these big premiums at maximum level stay around for one or two quarters. So it's going to mean that fine wool producers are going to get a chance to sell their wool at these sort of premiums. But it also tells us that we shouldn't be complacent about this. You know, if you look at the charts, the fine wool is quite a rocky road. So um, we're looking forward to uh, what's going to happen for the rest of the year with wool live because um, I think we've got some pretty good demand and we've got tight supply relative to uh, where that demand is. So it looks like it should shape up pretty well. So as you know, I love talking about wool, but can you tell us a little bit about the cattle market just before we sign off this week, Liv? Yeah, well, just when we thought it couldn't get any stronger, we did see the Eki rise up to a new record high earlier this week. It hit 910.25 cents per kilogram carcass weight on Tuesday, but didn't quite stay there to finish the week and falling back just a couple of cents to 9.06 by the end of the week. Uh, There was still a lot of restocker and feeder interest in the market with processors struggling to pick up even 5% of the young cattle on offer in the sale yards. And that was all in face of the recent jump in yardings that put total throughput above the five-year average. So it was a, a similar story to the lamb and sheep market where we saw a big lift in yardings, but the difference being that slaughter is still well down on historical terms um, and that's just pointing to the continued tightness of overall supply in the cattle market at the moment, Rob. It's interesting that we can see lifts in supply uh, in lambs and cattle and and yet the market you know, easily digests that. Um, next week we'll see a big lift in, or at this stage, a lift in wool supply. There's more than 50,000 bales offered. It just seems like it's a pretty good time to be in agricultural commodities and the sort of commodities that we follow are all doing pretty well. We mentioned canola. We know wheat's up 15% in, in April, since April. 
it's a good time to be part of this uh, great industry, Liv, isn't it? Sure is, Rob, and good time to be talking about it as well. Gives us plenty of content to go off. So thanks for joining us on the podcast again for the week, Rob. Thank you, Liv, and uh, let's see what happens next week. All right, and thank you to our listeners for joining in to another episode of Commodity Conversations. As always, there is plenty more analysis on the Mercado website, and we'd love it if you could share this podcast and our analysis around with your friends, family, and co-workers. Until next week, have a good week. Thanks for tuning in to Commodity Conversations, audio production by David Myers.